This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. You're listening to the Whole Hog Football Podcast, bringing you the latest news, analysis, and more. Here's your host, Matt Jones, with Scotty Bordelon of the Hog Sports Network and wholehogsports.com. Arkansas and LSU, Saturday night, 6 o'clock kickoff on ESPN. The Razorbacks, of course, coming off the loss to BYU last week, a chance to maybe get right. You know, the LSU series is one that has always kind of defied the talent levels of both of these two teams. There have been a lot of Arkansas teams that didn't seem like they should be playing with LSU, and yet they do. Every time it seems like these two teams get together, or or most of the times they get together, uh, it's always a competitive game. LSU, very talented this year. They've got national championship aspirations, certainly conference and division championship goals. Uh, Arkansas, you know, more modest goals for this team. I think, you know, the sky's the limit for any team, but you know, I think Arkansas knows that, that they're not quite at that level yet, but anytime Arkansas and LSU gets together, uh, you expect a good game. And so it'll be interesting to see how it happens Saturday night, LSU highly favored to win this game. But again, like I said, these games just don't always seem like they go the way you think they're going to go. Matt Jones with Scotty Bordelon and Ethan Westerman. And you look at the, the golden boot history, uh, 1997, I think was the first year that they played for the boot. Uh, they played 27 times for this trophy. LSU's won 18. Arkansas has won nine. But 14 of those 27 matchups, Scotty, have been one-possession ball games, including the last three. Every game that Sam Pittman has coached uh, as a head coach for Arkansas in this series has been decided by field goal, field goal, field goal. And so it makes you wonder, you know, do you get something kind of weird again Saturday night in Death Valley? Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, you know, I think you wrote, in the keys that these games don't always, you know, kind of go how they look on paper. Um, and, you know, the more talented team doesn't always just run away with it. I mean, there was the, what the game in 2019 where LSU was obviously far superiorly talented mm-hmm. uh, and blew Arkansas out of the water. Um, that LSU team beat the hell out of everybody though, uh, for the most part. But, you know, you mentioned, you know, games not always going on, on, you know, as they, you know, you think they might go on paper. I, I go back to like the 2012 and the 2013 games, you know, when I was, mm-hmm. when I was in school, those were, you know, in 2012, LSU was eighth in the country. Arkansas played them to a touchdown at home. Uh, and then 2013, LSU's top 15 and Arkansas played them really close. That was a, the 2013 season was, was tough. Um, well, she threw a long touchdown pass in the last minute to win that game. Yeah, I mean, it just—I think Arkansas's just got a way of, um, of kind of focusing in. You know, when they kind of know that they're, you know, their backs are against the wall. I mean, I think mm-hmm. we've seen plenty of teams, um, you know, throughout this this series, just kind of hone in and, you know, make it a, a competitive game when you know maybe the point spread or, you know, all the talking heads are. Uh, predicting a, a route in one way or another. And the and the, the last three games in this series have been really good, all decided by three points, got an overtime game in there. Um, Arkansas won on the road and LSU's won the last two in Fayetteville. So it's been kind of a been kind of a neat series of late. Uh and and I think what I'm looking forward to maybe more than anything this weekend is we finally get that Jaden Daniels, KJ Jefferson matchup uh, that I think we all wanted last year. Um would have made that game potentially you know, even even more interesting than it than it already was. Yeah, Arkansas. They, I thought they were going to get blown off the field by LSU last year, and and for them to keep that game 
so close was, uh, you know, it, it was surprising, I, I think, that Arkansas kept that game so close last season. Uh, Ethan, you wrote the scouting report this week on on LSU. Just tell us some about what you've seen from them through these first three games. And just to recap for everybody, they lose their first game big to Florida State. They come back and they beat Grambling State big in week two, like you'd expect them to do. And then they get a blowout victory last week in Starkville. Yeah, maybe from like an exception of the second half against Florida State. And then also early in that game, they had some trouble scoring around the goal line against Florida State. I think that LSU offense is kind of what you expected coming into this year. They're really dynamic. Uh, They lead the SEC in yards per game. I think they're number three in passing yards, number three in rushing yards. They're pretty... uh, and then they got Jaden Daniels, who he's just pretty dynamic. They're they're about what you expect on offense. They got Malik Neighbors, their uh, preseason All American receiver. He's um, leading, I know, leading the SEC in receiving yards right now. He's probably near the top of the nation after what he did last week to Mississippi State. Um, he's a playmaker. So offense right now, I mean, that's not really. I don't think what LSU fans are concerned about. Um, it's that's looked fine. It's really been um, their secondary that has you know, that's led to their loss in week one. Florida State torched them in the second half through the year. Um, Grambling State even had some success. I know that was a blowout, but they even had some success pass success passing against LSU. Um, but then last week was, you know, that, that dominant went over Mississippi State. That was kind of the performance that you look at and you say, hey, did they figure things out um, through three weeks? They have I know Scotty's big into PFF grades. I've started kind of <laughs> enjoying looking at those too. They have the second worst pass coverage grade uh, in the SEC. It's near the bottom of the nation. And then they have like the fifth worst tackling grade in the nation. So you wonder if that's going to come into play, especially with, you know, you got KJ Jefferson, if he gets going running the ball at all, if they're not very good at tackling, um, he's not an easy guy to bring down. Uh, So yeah, for them right now, it's kind of, you know, their offense is probably where you want it to be. If they can sure up, you know, some tackling and uh, get better in pass coverage, they probably stand right now. I mean, it's a really wild SEC West. Um, I don't remember this time any other year that I've just kind of felt this way of, I don't know who could win it. Mm. Um, you know, if they fix their defense, though, I think that they kind of have to at this point maybe be the favorite still. Uh, Daniels is the the player you watch on offense. You mentioned neighbors, Mason Taylor, a really good pro prospect at tight end. And then on defense, the players, Harold Perkins, uh, we were just all watching that game last year with our, jaws on the table uh the the way he dominated they look like micah parsons running around in purple and gold scotty but he hasn't been quite off to this to the to the level that he was at last year through three games yeah i think that that's fair i think i looked at cfb stats he's got 10 tackles through three games um while the tackle number might be quite a bit lower than you might suspect uh he's got three pass breakups I mean, that's that's kind of impressive. It tells you he's, you know, at least somewhere around the ball, um, you know, fairly often at least. Um, but, yeah, Sam Pittman was saying that, you know, he went back on Monday and watched the game from last year, and he just knows that, you know, how fast Perkins is. Like, I think he mentioned that, uh, you know, a guy's fast when he's running Malik Hornsby down multiple times. And it, it didn't really – it didn't matter at all to – to Perkins last year, who the quarterback was, he got to Malik Hornsby. He strips that Cade Fortin on the final play of the game um, for Arkansas. Yeah, he's just uh, he is a last year at least he was a game record. Haven't really seen a whole lot of that this year. Um, Sam was saying that it looks like you know they've made some 
kind of tweaks to their their defense under Matt House in, in his second year. Mm-hmm. And he's not quite, you know, the as great of a pass rusher, maybe, you know, in terms of um volume and chances to get to the quarterback as, as last year, but um he's been a pretty pretty sure tackler uh in his 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 pass rush grade for the you know the the opportunities that he's gotten are they're pretty good. Um, Arkansas has been using freshman linebacker Alex Sanford as as the, uh, I guess he's he's been acting as Harold Perkins in practice. Sam said he's been giving him a pretty good look, but there's just there's no way, really, to uh, unless you get Harold Perkins for a couple of days, you borrow him. You just yep. you can't simulate you know the uh, the the talent and the speed and um you know the, the ability to cover ground and the physicality and all that is just it's it's a, it's a guy that's really really tough to prepare for I, I would imagine that Alex is doing all he can um but he's I think he's got a bright future too but there's just I don't know it's I think it's a nod to Alex that they think that he's the closest thing that they can get to Harold Perkins um but yeah it's there's just there's no way to to simulate a, a talent like that uh during the week I think they're using Perkins more as a middle linebacker this year, whereas last year they used him in more of a, a, a roving manner, you know, an outside linebacker, defensive end type, Ethan. They've kind of been experimenting, just trying to see where he's most effective at, um, kind of moving him back around the edges. Um, he, I just won't forget last year, though, how much in that game he, I don't remember a game that I've walked away saying that much, like a defensive player was just the total, like, he was the player of the game, like by and away, uh, far and away. He, there wasn't much room for like anybody else to kind of be the MVP of that game. Just the way that he completely affected everything Arkansas was trying to do. Um, and then I won't forget going into Brian Kelly's post game, uh, and he tells everybody that Perkins had like the flu or something. Uh, at least he said flu-like symptoms. I remember, and that he had been vomiting before the game. So uh, that was one of those games that I don't know. I just my respect for Harold Perkins grew so much after that game, just because I hadn't seen a defensive player dominate at that level in quite a while. I just thought that game last year showed how much Arkansas needed KJ Jefferson on the field. And, you know, I think we all are in agreement that Arkansas has got a better number two quarterback now than they had this time last year, but there's, there's such a drop off with this offense when Jefferson either is not playing or he's not healthy. And I mean, Pittman acknowledged this week that that Jefferson was playing banged up some against BYU the other day. And and I think everybody saw it with their own eyes. You know, the, the play is giving himself up on the sideline when he's one-on-one with a cornerback 10, 15 yards away from the end zone. You don't see him give himself up like that. Uh, made some, you know, underthrows that were kind of uncharacteristic of him. And so, you know, how healthy is Jefferson this week? Because, you know, this is the type of game where you need KJ to be KJ to steal a line from Scotty you got to have him playing his best ball against LSU because the, I mean, Hey, let's face it. The, the chips are stacked against Arkansas right now. And the way that you kind of offset some of that is, is by having your best player go out and just ball out. And I think that's what they've got to have KJ Jefferson do this week. And and I think it begins Scotty with him being healthy. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, yeah. I'm going to be interested to see, you know, just how, Arkansas chooses to like use KJ like are they going to you know throw more designed quarterback runs his way and just I don't know I expected that you know a lot more last last week and I don't know 
you know, exactly what the extent of his injury is, if he's got one, we all obviously know he's banged up. Um, but this is, this, this is far and away going to be the most physical defense that, that he's faced. Um, so I'm wondering like, if he does get more designed runs, is it going to be another week where we see him kind of, um, you know, duck out of bounds when he's close to the sideline instead of, you know, taking that body blow and that contact. Um, Because obviously he does give them the best, best chance to best chance to win a game. And, you know, he was, I thought KJ, I don't know if it was necessarily his, his coming out party. Um, You know, I think in 2021 when Arkansas won down in Baton Rouge, but KJ had a, had a pretty good day. He managed the game pretty well. I don't think he, I don't think he hurt Arkansas offensively with turnovers and that kind of thing. So he's got to be, you know, he's on his game. Uh, I think he's got to be multidimensional, obviously. Um, and he's got to play clean. Like the 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 pick that he threw last week was, you know, severely underthrown. Um, and then, you know, I think he's got to do a – I think he's just got to be aware that there's going to <laughs> – there's going to be a pass rush on him and there's going to be heat on him uh, in the pocket. Uh, LSU's defensive line is really talented. Uh, I think Makai Wingo, he's he's, you know, I think he he might be up there as one of the best defensive linemen in the league. You know, in a league that uh, is kind of known for for monsters on the defensive line. Um, and so he's got to be aware of Perkins. He's got to be aware of a bunch of defensive linemen coming at him. Uh, I think whenever he does feel heat, he's got to be he's got to be strong with the ball in his hands um, and not you know potentially give LSU some additional momentum and. Um, you know, with the turnover potentially, um, I think he's he's got to be really, really sure with the ball in his hands this week. One of the things we talked about earlier this week was how Pittman is not going to just sit back and and let the status quo uh, hurt the team. They're going to be proactive. They're going to do something. We talked about maybe the the change uh, should be at center. Maybe you move Bo Limmer back to guard where he's been dominant of course we don't see practice we don't know what Amari Wiggins looks like behind him maybe the the line is better off having uh Lemmer play center and and maybe moving some some people around at the other positions one of the things they're going to do this week that Pittman has said since we talked about that is they're going to roll the pocket they're going to kick KJ Jefferson on the run you know I think that they've kind of figured out that sitting there and and, and blocking in a maybe a traditional pass pro for Jefferson just isn't working and so they're going to roll the pocket. They're going to move KJ this week. And I almost feel like that can be um, beneficial for Arkansas because it gets KJ out on the run. I almost feel like he's been, you know, boxed in a little bit too much these first three games. We know they didn't want him running the first two games. Uh, obviously, that changed at halftime of the, the Kent State game. Uh, he's he's banged up last week against BYU. If he's healthy and he's out on the run, I just feel like that gives you a, a, a playmaking dynamic that maybe they haven't had the first three games with him on the run, it takes away half your field. You know, you're not going to have him throwing back across the field 40 yards. If he's rolling to his right, he's not going to be thrown back to the left. But what I think it does is it, it gets him on the move. It gives you more of that dual threat dynamic that has always made KJ Jefferson so good. And and so I don't know that we're going to see the same offense this week that we've seen in any of the the, the past three weeks, at least not from a, a, a passing standpoint. And I think the ability for him to get out on the move also maybe opens up your run game. Yeah, and I think one thing it does too is it makes the defense react to you instead of you just sitting in the pocket and you reacting to, you know, potentially a pass rusher coming right at you. Um, and, you, you know, you're right. You can roll KJ out either way. 
Um, and, you know, if he doesn't like what he sees and he thinks he's got a an advantage, he can, you know, he can go after, then he, he might tuck it and run. Um, what it also might do is, you know, you roll him a couple times and then, you know, you may be able to roll him a little bit to one side and then you may be able to just kind of come across your body and hand the ball off to a tailback flowing, you know, kind of against the grain. I think I think BYU did that uh, a few times in the run game last week, and I think they had some solid success with it. Um, yeah, I think I think you just I think it's about making the defense react to you instead of you just kind of standing, kind of standing still, so to speak. Um, what the rollout does too is it kind of takes uh, if you're rolling left, it kind of takes the you know the the defensive end on the other side of the field out of the play, and you only have to, I guess two or three of your offensive linemen really have to to win their blocks or a tight end has to win his block. Uh, it kind of takes a couple players potentially out of the game. Um, and ideally, one of those players would be Harold Perkins. So I'll, I'm going to be kind of curious to see if they maybe um, maybe try to roll flow plays away from him. Arkansas has been piping noise in this week at practice. They're trying to get him ready for the, the crowd noise they're going to face down at LSU. I think one of the – you know, one of the things we mentioned the other day is that LSU hasn't had that big – home game yet this year their only home game to this point was against Grambling and so you know being an SEC game even if Arkansas is coming off a loss it's a night game it's going to be a big game you got Fowler and Herb Street are going to be calling this on ESPN and primetime this is this is under the lights at Death Valley this is when they really show off have either of you been to a game at LSU by the way yeah I went I'm trying to remember what game it was I went to Arkansas won down there I think it was yeah it was in 2015 when Arkansas okay. won by 17 yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a night game down there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but Arkansas pretty much quieted that crowd. It was, yeah, it was a pretty impressive game. Yep. I've been yeah, to a lot of. I, I haven't been down there for a football game. I went for a basket the basketball game this past year, which was pretty uh, under. That was an underwhelming game for Arkansas. But I saw <laughs> Tiger Stadium for the first time. I got and I saw you know, the how they keep the tiger Mike the tiger like yeah, on campus. In his habitat. That was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah I, so I saw him and I saw the football stadium, but I have never been to a football game at Death Valley. You know, there there are other stadiums. I've been to a lot of games in Baton Rouge for football. There's a lot of stadiums in the SEC that I think can compare with LSU in noise level. I think Kyle Field's up there. Uh, I would put Sanford Stadium at Georgia. I'd put the Swamp up there. I'd put Neyland when Tennessee's teams are good. Uh, maybe even Auburn. Auburn, I think, is a little bit of an underrated venue. But what makes Tiger Stadium, I think, so intimidating is just the the entire experience. You know, you you roll in. It's quite possible you're going to get your buses rocked on the way to the stadium. Houston Knight used to tell his team to put their helmets on when they would get off the bus because you didn't know if they were going to be throwing things at you uh, as you were going into your locker room. You know, you get out there. It's humid. It's hot. There's smell of booze in the air. Uh, and then, you know, you kind of add the crowd noise up on top of that. And yeah, it just, it kind of overwhelms your senses, to be honest with you. And there's just nothing else like it. And so, yeah, I mentioned they've been trying to pipe in crowd noise all week in practice to the point that Pittman said this week that he's had a headache for several days. Uh, and that on Tuesday, he actually moved away from the offense where they're, they're piping in all the noise and went and watched the defense for a while. There's just nothing like when you actually get out there uh, and and experience that atmosphere in Baton Rouge. And I think the first five, 10, maybe first quarter, five, 10 minutes, first quarter, uh, that's going to tell us a lot about how Arkansas is going to handle this Saturday night because 
there are a lot of teams that have gone in there and the game gets away from them in the first quarter and 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 you can't get it back. And so I, I think this first quarter is going to be a, a real big uh, test to see how does Arkansas handle everything uh, that's thrown at them. Because I, I don't I don't know that these players, even the ones who went to LSU two years ago, you know, they're at the back end of a season where they're wanting Coach Orgeron fired. Uh, that's that's not a normal Death Valley crowd that Arkansas won in front of two years ago in 2021. I don't know that a lot of these players, maybe aside from the Landon Jacksons and the Nudie McLaughlin, who used to play there at LSU, have really ever experienced anything like they're going to see on Saturday night. I think that um, if you watch that Mississippi State game this past week, uh, the LSU went into a hostile environment, and they, uh, on offense, they just had so many big plays early. Um, especially Malik Neighbors came down with some big grabs that they took a crowd out of the game um, right away. And it's like, if, if they have that type of success against Arkansas this week early in the game, that place is going to be absolutely, absolutely rocking. And Arkansas would like probably nothing more than to, to take one out of LSU's uh, playbook and do what they did at Mississippi State, maybe hit them uh, for a couple big plays early and just quiet them up a little bit. But yeah, no, um, Mississippi State, it, it felt like they had been defeated eight minutes into that game, uh, just the way that LSU just uh, kept on hitting them. Um, I think that Arkansas really has to, on defense, keep great contain of Jaden Daniels. Um, and honestly, the Arkansas defensive line, I think, is still something that a lot of people feel uh, pretty good about. If they can get in the backfield and let him and maybe come up with a few sacks early, um, I think that could bode really well for him to kind of take the crowd out of the game there. Yeah, Sam was right about you know, the crowd noise being or whatever it was that they were playing at practice was being awful. It was whatever, you know, a, a crowd sounds like when they're rowdy. And then it also sounded like on top of that, they laid like a track of kids locked in a room screaming on top of that crowd noise. It was <laughs> it was brutal. Um, and, you know, if I'd, if I'd stayed longer than 15 or 20 minutes, I probably would have had a headache, too. Um, obviously, going into this environment, it's just it's not ideal. Um, based on, you know, Arkansas had 14 penalties. They had 10 penalties on offense last week. I think, Matt, you wrote this in the keys, you know, in a friendly environment. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I could be wrong here. Maybe my memory's slipping, but I don't know that Arkansas will have gone into a, an environment like this since they went to Georgia a couple of seasons ago. That's, that's probably right. And, man, we remember how that game started. What was it? two false starts just right off the bat mm -hmm. and then KJ's like taking a snap on first and 20 with his heels on the goal line and it's just it's everything you're it, it gets to a certain point especially in that Georgia game where it's just like can you get the ball snapped and we'll we'll try to figure it out once the ball is snapped um LSU's fans are going to be riled up for this game I think not because it's Arkansas coming in necessarily but they feel really good um, about the way that their teams bounce back uh, after a disappointing loss in week one. They put up some some gaudy numbers in the last two weeks. You go win your your conference opener on the road. You know, there's going to be a lot of excitement there. And, yeah, it's, it's going to take, you know, this inexperienced line finding a way to compose themselves, communicate effectively. And, um, yeah, I think, I think you're right. Like the first few minutes are going to – they're going to tell you a lot, but you've got to sustain uh, that 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 focus that you've got at the beginning of the game, throughout the game, because it's it's not like it's going to get quiet <laughs> really at any point unless you're just you know throwing haymakers throughout the game. Maybe Mississippi State last year would compare from a crowd noise perspective because you get the cowbells that are that are the great equalizer there. 
Arkansas struggled with penalties in that game. Uh, so th- this has not been a team under Pittman that has really handled crowd noise very well. It'll be interesting to see how they do this weekend uh, down in Baton Rouge. The Whole Hog Football Podcast is sponsored by Kendall King, design, display, signage, kendallking.com. That's K-E-N-D-A-L-K-I-N-G.com. The Kendall King Group family of companies plays to win, just like our hogs. We know how demanding retail marketing is today. From digital omni-channel creative services, through in-store signing and displays, and finally, to social influence, we've got you covered. Our KKG Inc. family of companies, Kindle King, Shopcart Creative, and Soapbox Influence are winning with multiple retailers and brands. We play to win and we'll be a winning partner for all your retail marketing service needs. Go Hogs! Arkansas LSU is is one of the noteworthy games in the SEC this week. We're starting to get into that portion of the season where you get a lot more SEC versus SEC games. In fact, I think next week, when Arkansas takes on Texas A&M down in Arlington, all seven games in the conference are going to be conference matchups. It'll be the first time uh, that's happened this year. But you got a lot of conference versus conference matchups this week. Uh, you know, we're not going to pick any of these non-conference games, but we'll run through them real quick. You've got Texas San Antonio uh, at Tennessee this week. That's kind of an interesting game, 3 o'clock on SEC Networks. UTSA, of course, coached by uh, Jeff Trailer, the former Razorback assistant coach, who had some very interesting comments Last week after one of their games, I think when they played Army, uh, you might want to go look those up. Uh, Charlotte goes to Florida. It's in the swamp this week. Of course, Florida had the big week last week or the big win last week over Tennessee. Well, that's a six o'clock kickoff. It's going to be on SEC Network Plus and ESPN Plus. Georgia is going to be home on Saturday night, taking on Alabama Birmingham. Trent Dilfer, the Blazers head coach bringing his team in there they're one and two they're they're probably going to get blown out of the water and then kind of an interesting game i think this game's going to be played in st louis uh memphis is going to missouri memphis pretty good mid-major team missouri i know they beat kansas state last week but they were shaky the week before against middle tennessee gonna be interesting to see how that one goes it's going to be a 6 30 kickoff on espnu Let's get to SEC games now. Auburn goes to Texas A&M Saturday morning. It's an 11 o'clock kick. It'll be on ESPN. Scotty, what do you got? Yeah, I don't really know. These are two teams that I just I can't seem to really figure out. Um, I think I'm going to go with Texas A&M simply because they're at home. But I think, like Sam Pittman has said before, like the ideal time to catch a game on the road right is is early in the morning um so i think auburn will probably be competitive but i'll give i'll give the edge to texas a&m at home yeah i like texas a&m uh as well i think that they honestly connor wegman uh i think i said his last name right wegman wegman i think it's wegman uh he uh He's been one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC so far, kind of quietly. Um, I think that Miami loss maybe took a lot of eyes away from watching uh, watching them much more, but they got a pretty sneaky good offense right now. Um, I think that they kind of have their quarterback spot figured out a little bit better than Auburn right now. Um, and I think whenever you're playing, you know, that first SEC game and you're at home, probably quarterback play will play a big part into that. And so I like A&M. Yeah, I think one more thing. I think with Auburn's passing game, Peyton Thorne is, is, has been their guy through three weeks. He's got three touchdowns, three picks the last two weeks. He threw two interceptions against Sanford. Um, 
So if Auburn wants to have a chance to compete in that game, he's he's got to you know protect the ball a lot better than he did last week. I like Texas A&M for one of the reasons that Scotty said they're at home, but I also think they're more they're more challenged to this point in the year. They played Miami in Miami two weeks ago. Auburn's big test at this point was going up and playing at Cal Berkeley. They didn't really play great that night. They came away with a kind of a, a tight win when Cal Berkeley left a lot of points on the field. Uh, I, I think A&M will have Auburn's number, and, and I think that uh, Hugh Freeze will get his first loss as Auburn's coach. Another game at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. This will be an SEC Network. 11 o'clock kickoff. Kentucky goes to Vanderbilt. Commodore's already playing their fifth game of the season. Yeah, I think Vanderbilt is is interesting. Is I, I kind of like some of the playmakers that they have, especially at receiver. Um, but I think Kentucky, I think Kentucky's got enough talent. Um, they'll be able to go into what should probably be a really, really raucous environment at, at Vanderbilt. Um, I, I, I think Kentucky's somewhere around like a 13 or a 14 point favorite. I think they'll, I think, you know, by the end of that game, I think they'll probably have that spread covered. I don't know who to pick in this one, to be honest. I'm not very sold on Kentucky at all. Um, I think some of their scores this year, I think, uh, are a little bit deceiving. Um, they opened with Ball State and ended up winning that one by 30 points, but that was actually pretty close for a lot of the game. Eastern Kentucky, they played week two. That was, ended up being an 11-point game, which, fun fact, that Eastern Kentucky team, Western Carolina, beat last week, um, who Arkansas played in the opener. Um, I just, I'm not sold on Kentucky. I don't think Vandy's very good either. Um, but I do think they've been through a little bit at this point to where they're maybe going to be playing a little freely. I don't know. I'm picking Vandy. I don't know why, but I am. You know, the stadium at Vanderbilt, I, I was over there in Nashville earlier this year for the Arkansas baseball series at Vanderbilt. They're missing two end zones. It's, it's a it's a total construction project right now. They're actually going to, to modernize that stadium and, and make it look quite a bit nicer than it has. I think it's the first time that it's been touched in something like 40 years. Uh, so not that Vanderbilt ever has a great home field advantage, but you know, maybe it prevents more Kentucky people from coming down. I don't know. Maybe they'll play basketball over next door at Memorial Gym. Two things that come out that stand out to me. Vanderbilt, I don't think, is very good defensively. I think Kentucky is really good defensively, or at least they have. That's kind of been their MO under Mark Stoops. And one of the really interesting things, I think, in this game is that Kentucky went into the transfer portal last year and got Vanderbilt's leading rusher. Ray Davis goes back to Nashville this week. He ran for 1,042 yards uh, last year for Vanderbilt. Uh, I think that he has a big game against his old teammates, and I think Kentucky will go into Nashville and get that victory on uh, Saturday morning. The big game in the SEC this week, of course, it's the 2.30 kickoff on CBS. Ole Miss goes to Alabama. You've seen Lane Kiffin already playing mind games this week with Nick Saban talking about they've got spies in the Tuscaloosa building who are telling them that their defensive coordinator isn't the one who's really calling the plays. It, you know what this is. This is, or at least it feels like to me, this is Kiffin just trying to get under Saban's skin trying to create a little bit of, uh, I don't know what you would call it, uh, confusion, I guess, within Alabama's uh, team building. And, I, you know, we'll, we'll see how it works out. But they go play kind of an angry Alabama team, I would think, after losing two weeks ago and not playing very well last week against South Florida. Yeah, and I'm sure y'all saw it too, but Andy Staples put out a video of, like, side-by-side side, Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin standing at the podium. Their hand gestures are the same. They're doing the same thing. Um, or they're both talking with their hands at times. And um, 
It was pretty funny. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I, think, I do think Kiffin's I think that's some, intentional, too. Yeah, I think he's definitely playing some mind games um, with Alabama. But I think I think Nick Saban's kind of got, I think he got his, he probably got his team's attention uh, after losing a, a national, like, primetime game at home. And then you go out next the next week and you just kind of stink on offense uh, against South Florida. But the defense, I think, took a step forward, and Jalen Milrose back as their their starter. I think, um, I think that's probably a confidence boost for him. I do think he's the guy. Probably gives him the best chance to win. Um, so if he goes out and plays fairly clean, um, you know, I think his I think his defense will you know be able to make enough plays for for Alabama to win at home. I feel uh, like this one could really go either way, just because Alabama, we just don't know what to expect at this point. Um, between you know last week of them playing the other two quarterbacks and not looking very good but having Milrow back I think will be big for them um I thought he didn't play all too terrible against Texas and maybe it was just a knee-jerk reaction that fan base was not happy with him after that game at all um but I think that he gives them the best chance to win but I at this point I think I like Ole Miss more uh Jackson Dart he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league as well and so I have them pulling up an upset in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Well, what's the old saying? Lightning doesn't strike twice in the same spot. I mean, when was the last time Alabama lost two games in Tuscaloosa? I was just the about to year? say that. I don't feel like I remember I, it, it happening. I just, and that, that's my deal. I just don't think they're losing there again this year. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Ole Miss is a better team. Two things stand out to me. Alabama's got like 18 five-stars on its player. Ole Miss has one or on the roster. Uh, and then, you know, there's all this – talk about Saban and, and how he does against assistant coaches or his former assistant coaches and how they're starting to beat him on a regular basis, whether it be Kirby Smart or Jimbo Fisher or Steve Sarkeesian this year. I don't think Kiffin's going to do it. I, I think Alabama wins Saturday afternoon in, in Tuscaloosa. I don't know how. I just think they, they win because yeah, I, don't, I don't think they're losing twice in Tuscaloosa in, in two games. It, it would be hard to fathom that that happens to Alabama. Uh, kind of my my rule of thumb for a lot of years is don't pick against Alabama, don't pick against the Patriots. And uh, that, that serves you pretty well, I think, in, in predictions. Saturday night, uh, this will kick off 30 minutes after Arkansas LSU. Mississippi State goes to South Carolina. Of course, the Gamecocks had a pretty strong showing last week in Athens. We're leading the Georgia at halftime. Of course, Mississippi State coming off uh, that loss to LSU. Yeah, I just... I. I don't have a feel for either of these teams either. I feel like I say that every week, but I'll give the I'll give the edge to South Carolina. I was pretty impressed with, um, you know, the poise that they showed last week against Georgia. If they can carry that over, um, you know, I, I, I think they've got a really good shot to win this weekend. I'll take them. I like South Carolina by a lot. I think that last week was kind of a moral win for them, and uh, I don't think that's the easiest place to go in and play if you're Mississippi State after you know, getting beat pretty bad by LSU. I thought Zach Arnett was a bad hire for Mississippi State after the death of Mike Leach last year. I know it's his first year. He's going to get some grace period. I think he might have one of the hottest seats in the SEC, though, because of what he's trying to replace at Mississippi State. And I don't see it going well for him. Maybe I'm wrong. I just don't see it going well for him. I think South Carolina wins this one big. All right, Arkansas LSU Saturday night. We mentioned at 6 o'clock ESPN, they get the A-team treatment. Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, Holly Rowe, even ESPN Radio sending in its main uh, ESPN radio announcers to call this game. Razorbacks, a big underdog. Of course, they lost to BYU last week. Everything would suggest that LSU is going to win this game. Scotty, how do you think it goes? 
Yeah, I'm taking probably LSU probably by a few scores. I just don't I don't know that Arkansas defensively will be able to come up with enough stops. Uh, and I think LSU's defensive line just continues to uh, give Arkansas's front fits. I'm going to go with LSU as well. I think it's because, you know, kind of the history and how these games have been close. I don't think it's going to – I definitely don't think LSU is going to cover. I don't know what the spread was at last time, but I know it opened at like 18 and a half or something. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I don't think Arkansas has what it takes to go in there and pull off an upset, but I do think it's maybe a one or two score game. I think if um, Arkansas can protect KJ, if the offensive line can step up and give him some time, LSU has shown some trouble in the secondary. So, um yeah, I see this one being a little bit closer than maybe some expect, but it's still an LSU win. There aren't any moral victories. I mean, you don't get a moral victory in, in your win-loss column, but I think if Arkansas can go down there and play LSU well, this is a game that even going into the season before the, the struggles of the last couple of weeks, you didn't think Arkansas was going to go to LSU and win this game, or at least most people did not think that. So if you can go down there, you can play well, you can improve on some of the things that didn't go well last week. I think maybe that gives you some some motivation, some confidence going in uh, to this stretch the next few weeks, especially with Texas A&M, that it should be a little bit more winnable game next week at a neutral site. So, so that's what I'm looking for for Arkansas. I think LSU wins this. Uh, I think that they're just more talented. I think they're a better football team right now. But for Arkansas, can you fix the things that have gone wrong that maybe get you on the right track as the season goes along and then the schedule gets a little bit more friendly in the back half. Come to wholehogsports.com this weekend for all of our coverage from Arkansas LSU. We'll be back next week with another podcast to look back at the game and look forward to Arkansas, Texas A&M. For Scotty Bordelon and Ethan Westerman, I'm Matt Jones, and we'll see you next time on the Whole Hog Football Podcast. The preceding has been a production of the Hog Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media.